What are you going to do with what God puts in your heart? I'm simply a tool. The instruments that are on the stage this morning, those are tools to speak into our lives. No different than a podcast we hear. No different than somebody saying, God bless you at work, right? Or to coming alongside and praying with you. It's up to you and it's your responsibility to take action with what you're fed. Do you believe that? Do you also believe that it's your responsibility to take action? Yes. So that's what I want today to be about is you deciding that I'm going to take action. I'm not going to let discouragement overcome me. I want to to root myself in this core value of encouragement because that's what we want to do. Well, with encouragement, sometimes what? It comes with being bold and blunt and calling us out a little bit. Have you ever had anybody call you out? It's probably one of the best times in your life because you realize that you need to change. Because you don't know what you don't know. You could be living in a fairy tale land, right? You don't know what you don't know. But when somebody calls you out on something in a loving, kind, caring way, you kind of check yourself a little bit and you're like, oh man, I better, I better change. I didn't really see it from that perspective. So today may be a little a bit of that for you. Discouragement, if it dwells inside of you long enough, it grabs its friends. Do you know what the friends of discouragement are? It's called fatigue. It's called hopelessness. It's called despair. It's called self-pity, depression, doubt, bitterness. So if you allow discouragement to root inside of you and grow, these buddies are going to come along. How many of you have been so discouraged that you physically feel fatigued in your life? Yes, many times it's happened. Right? How about self-pity? How many, how many of us have gotten into that place where discouragement, we've lived in it? Where I mean, there's been times that I don't want to get out of bed, right? Get off the couch. You don't want to see anybody. You want to isolate yourself. Discouragement loves that. It roots and it grows deeper and deeper. And what happens inside of you is fatigue begins to take place. Hopelessness begins to take place. Procrastination. How many struggle with procrastination from time to time? Right? You see what I'm saying? It's all about momentum. If you allow discouragement to gain momentum, that thing's going to continue to grow unless you smash it early. Because I'm telling you, there's more friends than this that come along with discouragement. That's why it's one of our core values here to be encouraging to one another, to come alongside one another. What happens when we feel discouraged? We want comfort, right? When, we, when we're hurting, we want to find comfort. Well, where do we go to find comfort oftentimes? Inside of sin. We indulge in sin. Whatever that highlight is for you that you feel like temporarily brings you back up on top, whatever it is, it could be sex, it could be drugs, it could be shopping, it could be a variety of things, right? Food. I know when I'm sick, when I don't feel good, right? I like to eat. I do, and it's silly, but I, as soon as I get done, I'm, I've overindulged. I feel horrible. But I'm like, why did I do that? Because I didn't feel good, and I wanted to feel good, so I turned to that. Am I the only one this morning that struggles with that? What are you turning back to? Have you been discouraged lately, and what did you resort back to? And then what happens when you resort back to that? Discouragement comes. Conviction comes because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us when we give ourselves to Christ. And that's awesome. But man, you got to stop that thing. Don't avoid our fears. Discouragement oftentimes is rooted in fear of something, denial of something. You don't want to take it on. Well, put your big boy pants on and take it on, right? 
Sometimes we got to do that. And you're like, well, I don't like hearing that. I'm sorry. It's just the way I am if you're a first-time visitor. If you've been here before, you've heard that. But I'm serious, right? Take it on. You can overcome. And the thing is, you don't have to do it on your own. And I'm in all seriousness. You may be in a dark place this morning. And you're like, Josh, I, I can't just take it on. Sure, it's easy for you to just say, take it on. Start being stronger. Put your big boy pants on. It's all good, right? Well, man, you may be in a dark place where you can't do that. Well, guess what? Look around you. you got a lot of brothers and sisters that love you and care about you. Reach out. Hit this altar. Pray. We'll come alongside you every day. We'll text you, talk to you, reach out to you. We'll mentor you. Because you may be in a dark space where you don't know that you can do it on your own. You may even be in a place where you don't know about whether or not it's worth moving on. And I can tell you this, that God wants you here. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life no matter what you've been through. No matter how hard it is right now, he's got an amazing plan for you. And as I look out through this congregation this morning, there are many, many, many of you that have been radically transformed by God's love. So my point is, you're not doing this on your own. And we will help you. We will come alongside you. And you know what our number one goal is? Is for you to have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. You get that, you get that, you're, you got it. You got it. Okay, do you think that Jesus' disciples were discouraged right before the betrayal, right? Right before he was handed over. Do you think they would have been a little fearful, a little, little unsure as to their mission imploding on them? If you think, we can read the whole story. They didn't know the story, right? Jesus had shared with them, but I don't know that they really got it until it all happened, right? So inside of this, Jesus says, He's like, don't be discouraged, right? He doesn't want us to be discouraged. So in John 14, 1, Scripture says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So trust in God, trust in me as in Jesus. The NIV is, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. Here they are in a state where they had an option to either be scared or not, right? And Jesus is saying, I just want to encourage you, believe. In other words, don't let your hearts be ruled by what you see. Let them be ruled by what I promised you. So where are you at this morning? You can only see what you can see, right? So how are you seeing the situation that you're in? Is it completely bleak? Is it completely negative? Have you retold the story over and over and over and over again in your mind to where that's the only thing that you can see? I could walk up to somebody right now and give them a $100 bill and they wouldn't see that $100 bill. Believe it or not, that's the reality of the lives that we live sometimes. Because we're so discouraged, we're so down, we can't see the positive things going on in our lives. God's saying, believe in me. Trust in me. I sent my son, I sent the Holy Spirit to reside inside of you, to encourage you, to lift you up, to help you. The other thing that we like to do is, is we like to shrink back. And I just, we like to pout at times. I've, I've said it before, but we don't have moper ministries here. We really don't. If, um, if you're moping, it's probably for a reason, and we're just going to love on you. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to create a ministry around moping. We're going to love on you so that it turns from moping into love, okay? But in all reality, you guys kind of laugh at that, but how many of you moped this week? 
two, three, okay, four, five. How many we got? How, what was the count this morning? Two fifty, okay, yeah, probably right. So we do, we mope, we get in this mindset, whatever it is. Your wife looked at you cross-eyed, whatever. Your boss didn't, whatever, right? But we can get into that, and it's okay to be like a little bit of pity party, feel a little sorry for just like a quick nanosecond. But as long if you let that thing root and grow, that second becomes an hour and a day and a week and months, and it can consume your life. The guys love it when I read this scripture. It's one of my favorites. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what I'm talking about. I don't want you to walk around scared and fearful. I want you to find somebody to come alongside you, that dark place that you may be in this morning. I want you to know again that you got all kinds of brothers and sisters around you. So don't fear. Don't live in that world. The same spirit, the same God that raised Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. Isn't that incredible? Do you really understand that? There's days that I don't, right? There's days that I'm like, how is that possible? But then he touches me and I feel him. Right? He directs me. He convicts me. I feel his joy, and his, his joy and his peace and all those things inside of me. And it's incredible. Power, love, and self-discipline. We talk about self-discipline from time to time. And um, how many of you feel like you got self-discipline mastered? Yeah. One. All right. No, just kidding. I know you're kidding, Wendy. Right? That's a tough one. Self-control, self-discipline. That's what usually, like we're doing the right thing, right? Day in, day out, we're doing the right thing. And then something shiny comes along. And we're like, ah, I really want that shiny thing. Whatever that shiny thing is for you. Right? And you indulge in the shiny thing. And then you're like, oh, I've already indulged in the shiny thing once. I'll do it again and again. And then before you know it, six months later, you aren't coming to church. You've disconnected from your small group, not reading your devotion daily. And then you're like, ah. You know, the great thing about it is, though, all you got to do is hit the reset button and dial right back in. Because God doesn't leave us, right? He's right there the whole time. Let me give you this little analogy, and I've done this before, but how many of you have ever choked on a chicken wing? How many of you checked one? One, two, three. How, how many of you ever choked on something? Seriously, like anything. A lot of us, right? Right. Well, what happens whenever you, you're choking on something? What happens? can't breathe, right? I mean, it's scary stuff. You're jumping around like a crazy person, right? Because you're trying to get this thing dislodged from your throat. Oftentimes, you need somebody to come behind you and give you a Heimlich and get that thing out. Well, what happens if you don't get it out? It's going to start choking you off. You're not going to be able to see. Your face is going to go blue, right? You're, you're going to get in this state of Really, really scary. You're probably not going to sit back down and have another chicken wing, right? Probably not going to do that. You're going to do whatever it takes to figure out what's in your throat, and you're going to get it dislodged, right? That thing could kill you. Do you realize that discouraged discouragement can kill you? Do you realize that? So what is that right now for you that's choking you? What is, what's choking you out? What is stuck in your throat, in your heart, in your head? What, it, what is it? And what action have you taken to identify what it is, if it's anxiety, depression, 
whatever it is. Have you taken the steps, number one, to identify what's choking you? And have you taken any action to get that thing out of you? It's kind of a weird analogy, but does it make sense? You're in absolute panic mode if you got something lodged in your throat. You're, you, it's crazy. Why don't we do that with the other things in our lives? Why don't we take radical action to get those things out of our life? If you, people have said before, well, how do you go to that next level in your relationship with Jesus? How do you, how do you do that? Well, you take action. Take action. You start reading your Bible. You start, God will start revealing to you those convictions that you have in your heart. You listen to that direction that he gives you. You turn away from those things. He's also going to put wonderful things on your heart to go and do. And then you begin to go and do those things. And then over time, what you'll find is your relationship has grown much, much closer to Jesus. And it's an incredible experience. It's an, it's, it's, you know that. So when I get something in my life that's discouraging, I, I recognize it as quickly as I possibly can. I grab a friend to give me a Heimlich if I need it, right? Seriously, it sounds weird, but some things we can, we can hit the reset button on pretty easy, get out of our lives. There's other things that have held on, we've held on to or have gone back to that were a part of our lives for 10, 20, 30 years that are maybe a little harder to disconnect from. And that's when God will put people in your lives to help you get through those times. Okay? So I want to read uh, Romans 8, 35 and 37 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So how many of you look at yourself as an absolute warrior? A conqueror. No matter what's coming your way, you're like, I got this. I'm taking it on. I got God's power right behind me, and I'm going to move. There's no way I'm being overcome by this. How many of you is that this morning? Raise your hand and be confident in it, right? We got one person. Okay, two, right? So things are going to come our way. But this is the word of God. He says we are more than conquerors. So not only are you going to get through the thing that you're in right now, but guess what? The next thing that's coming, and there's going to be, and the next thing that's coming, and that's the thing. We give our lives to Christ. We're like, yes, everything's good. No worries at all. No problems for a week, right? And then that come, trials come because we live in a sinful world. And some new believers get turned off in their faith because they, they don't think they should have problems. No, problems develop character, right? It starts to create a character inside of us to go back to God's word. So remember that you're a conqueror. It doesn't matter if you're being bullied at school, if you're being talked down to by your parents, whatever the situation is, if you're being social media bullied, it's horrible, horrible stuff, right? You are more than a conqueror, and you got a big body of believers right here at Truth and Grace Fellowship that will hold your hand through all of that. Amen? The more that we soak up God's Word, the more that we are assured that He will help us overcome the things in our lives. Because if you're not in God's Word, this is the way I look at it. If you're not in God's Word, something comes up in your life, you may, you may get through it, right? may get through it. It may be tough, but you're going you're to work through it. Well, what happens is you don't give that credit to God. Your faith isn't built, right? You're like, oh, I did that. No, you didn't, right? So you got to allow yourself to, to be humble, to say, thank you, God. 
literally getting out of bed, thank you, God, that I'm up, that I'm moving, right? That I was able to have coffee this morning. I'm here. I'm alive, right? I'm doing good. Give all that credit to God. Do you think God wants us to praise him? Amen. Why would, not, why would God not want us to praise him? Why would he not want us to rely on him, to give him praise and love around that? It grows our faith. So when our faith grows, what shrinks? Discouragement. Our faith grows, our anxieties shrink. Our faith grows, our stresses, our pressures in our lives shrink because they're crowded out by this incredible faith that you know that God will bring you through that situation again and again and again. Right? I'm going to make you all get up and run laps. This, this is bad. Philippians 4. I'm gonna, I tell you what, I'm going to preach in the style that you're listening I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, Philippians 4.19 is, and my God will me. I'm just kidding. But seriously, right? Like, I want you to engage in this message this morning, brothers and sisters. What did I say in the very beginning? Rocky soil. What kind of soil are you this morning? Are you taking it in? Are you just coming to church to be cheered up? Here's some crazy guy up here screaming at you. Right? What are you doing? Philippians 4.19. Woo! And my God will meet what? All your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. The New Testament talks and acts about how important and how critical it is for us as fellow brothers and sisters to encourage one another. And I want to go through a few of those. Acts 13, 15 says, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So if you've got something great to say to a co-worker, somebody here this morning, I want you to share that with them. Why would you hold that back? Why? How many of you have thought about saying something nice to somebody and you didn't say it? So say it tomorrow. Say it today, right? Don't hold that back. Acts 16, 4 40 says, when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. So they encouraged him. Acts 20, 1 and 2 says, when the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and what? Encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. Macaronia. While there he, what? Encouraged the believers. In all the towns he passed through. So think about that. How many towns do you walk through each day? In your, in your world, how many towns? What I mean is that could be classrooms, that could be departments, at your, your workplace, wherever it is. How many towns are you walking through each day? And are you encouraging those people around you? When people see you walk in the room, what's the first thing they think about? This is kind of a cool little exercise. Think about that right now. You walk into your workplace, wherever, church, what, what do... What do you think people's first impression is? Crazy? Mary said crazy. This is a non-judgmental zone, so. Right? But seriously, think about it. What, what do people, what, what's your perspective? And, and this is what I want you to do. Is that perspective grounded in God's word, in truth, in love? Because a couple things. If that perspective is they see me in a negative light, then I want you to know you have the power to change that through the Holy Spirit. Okay? But sometimes it's rooted so deeply that you need somebody to come alongside you. Okay? Our discipleship program, mentoring, right? All those things that we help each other through that. 
But the next time you walk into your workplace or your basketball team, how does everybody look at you? Do they see you upbeat? And you don't have to be crazy like I am, right? And we're all wired a little bit differently. But is it, is it a place of love and encouragement, or do they, see, do they see something else? Okay, let's take a look at Hebrews 3.13. It says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's de- deceitfulness. And I want to read a quote to you. It says, encouragement, I love this. You guys have seen this before. Encouragement is like oxygen in the life of a church. It keeps hearts beating, minds clear, and hands inspired to serve. Isn't that cool? And then this one I really like. I think I put it up here. Yeah, this is like for all you racers out there, hot rod guys, gals. Encouragement is faith-fueled courage, right? Isn't that cool? That's like nitrous, you know, like, I mean, that is like afterburner, a big blower on a motor, right? I mean, that is like, that's good stuff right there. So are we called to encourage one another? You better believe it. What does that do to our faith and our courage? It grows it. That's where we want to be. I want to give you a quick example of a, an incredible, um, his name is actually, his name means son of encouragement, and that's Barnabas. So Barnabas, just to remind you, came alongside of, of Saul, who was Paul, right, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. So imagine if I were, um, well, let's just go back to, to Saul. So absolute persecu- persecution of the early church, right? I mean, literally watch people stoned. That's how much he was against the way, right, against Christ. So he would literally hold men's coats as they stone people. Well, then he was what, knocked off? Right? Knocked off a horse, donkey, blinded, rode to Damascus. God absolutely transformed his life. Right? So then he begins to speak or preach. I can't speak this morning. Right? He began to share what Jesus had done with him. So he goes back. He wants to go to the disciples, wants to be a part of the early church. And they're like, ah, yeah, I don't know about all that. Right? Well, what Barnabas do? He came alongside, right? Let's read what he did. Acts 9, 26, 27 says, Back in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is Saul or Paul. But they were all afraid of him. They didn't trust him one bit. Then Barnabas took him under his wing. He introduced him to the apostles and stood up for him. Told them how Saul had seen and spoken to the master on the Damascus road and how in Damascus itself he had laid his life on the line with his bold preaching in Jesus' name. So you know what Barnabas did for Paul? He bridged the gap. He bridged the gap. I don't, can you imagine what the New Testament would look like? I mean, God, I think, still would have had his way, of course. But, but would Paul had a little bit different road? Yeah. So what Barnabas did is he bridged the gap. So where are you at this morning? Are you there in the gap for somebody? Is somebody separated from God or not walking that life, and they're a little bit unsure, right? Are you there for them? And if you are, awesome. Stay there and continue to help them. If God puts it on your heart and leads you to someone to help, help. Because without Barnabas, I don't know that Paul would have had the same ministry. It would have looked different, right? Because Barnabas wouldn't have been a part of it. So what I'm saying is that sometimes we have to encourage one another. Barnabas didn't discourage him, did he? No, he came along and encouraged him. He helped the disciples to understand what he had done, what he had been through, and then once they saw what he was all about, what happened? Radical, radical ministry in the early church. 
So the point inside of this is, has somebody stood in the gap for you to where you are today? Has somebody come along and helped you get to where you are today? And I think most of us could say yes, right? So whenever that's a yes for you, has God put it on your heart to help somebody else bridge the gap? And if he has, bridge the gap. If you don't know how to do that, reach out to Jeremy or I, okay, and we'll get with you. Discipleship, mentorship, there's all different forms. It, it looks different for different folks. But the whole idea is you, as a believer, come alongside one another. Okay, let's take a look. I want to I do something, and this will be the, what we end on, and, and I've, I don't know if I'm going to make it through all of them. But um, if you read out there, there's over 3,000 promises in the Bible. Some say 5,438, some say 7,000. You know, it's all over the map, you know. But anyways, there's a whole bunch. God's got a whole bunch of promises. Well, I've got 24 promises that um, I've pulled up this morning, and we'll see how many we get through. But what I want you to do is I read through these scriptures, and you can decide to close your eyes and, and bow your head if you'd like. If you, if you, wanna, if you think you're going to fall asleep, don't do that. Um, but as I read these, I really want you to listen, and I want you to soak it in, okay? And I want you, what, what I want you to think about is this. And I wrote this down this morning. God just kind of laid on my heart. It said, um, think how radically different that your life and I didn't put this on the screen, so some of you are looking at the screen. It's not going to come up there. Think, think how radically different your life or current situation. So what is that current situation for you right now that's a little bit of a struggle? Okay, it could be a big struggle. could be a small discouragement. could be anything in between. But think about how radically different your life or that situation would be if you believed in these promises with everything in you. Okay. How different would your life be? I'm talking all in. Okay. I, I, and I just want you a really open mind here. Okay. So as I read through these promises, I want you to think that situation, if it's a job, whatever it is, if you were to believe these promises 100%, what would it look like? Okay. So let's do this. Let's start with everybody. Uh, bowing your heads and your eyes closed as I read through these. If at any point you're tired of closing your eyes, you want to look up, that's fine. Uh, they will be on the screen. But Okay, so go to that place. What is that situation you're in right now? Is it financial? Is it a relationship that you have? Is it a job that uh, you're struggling with or maybe a job that you need? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it an illness? Is it a health issue? You know, we all, every one of us has got something that we could could put in our minds right now. So let's do this. So God's promises, first off, never fail us. Joshua 23, 14, it says, Not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord, your God, promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. 1 John 2, 25 says, And this is the promise that he has promised us, and that is eternal life. Luke 18, 27, but God has said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Again, what is that situation? What are you struggling with? It's possible with God. 
Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what is that for you? Is that sin struggling with? What are you fighting with? He says, and I'm going to forgive you of that. You just confess it with your mouth. Galatians 5.22, do you want to live in this world? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you want those fruits? Do you want to be connected to the vine, the Jesus Christ, in a powerful way so you experience that inside of your situation? John 16.13 says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you. How many of us right now in the moment need to be guided? He's saying it right here. I will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will let you know about what the future looks like. Matthew 6.31.33 says, so don't worry about these things. Don't worry about them. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate our thoughts as unbelievers at times. But your Heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. He's got it figured out. He's going to supply every one of them. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. He will give you everything that you need. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of my needs from His glorious riches which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Psalms 84.11 says, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good things from those who do what is right. James 1.5 says, If anything or if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. How many of you need something right now? Right now in this very moment. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, incredible life-changing verse for me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Imagine what perfect peace looks like for you in that current situation. And all those thoughts are fixed on you as in God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Turn that worry into a prayer. Tell God what, he, what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds if you, as you live in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different. From what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow that temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. I want to end on this one. I read it earlier. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power, love, and self discipline. Let's open your eyes. Praise and worship, come up here. So I want you to think about that circumstance, that situation, that, that place that you're at in your life around discouragement. Would it look different if you believed the promises that I read? Would it look different? No, why not? Why would it not look different? 
You're, what are you doing inside of that right now? Are you reading? Are you listening? Are you looking for God's direction inside of the Holy Spirit, what he's speaking to you? If you are, then I want you to keep doing that. But I don't want you to live in fear, and I don't want you to continue to dwell in discouragement. There are some people here this morning that are living in a world of discouragement that has led to a very dark place. That's the reality of it. And you know what's, what's amazing is um, I have the pleasure of walking alongside many people in my life that were there in that place at one time. And they're the most incredible, inspiring, gifted individuals that I'm surrounded with. And the reason I share that with you is because wherever you're at this morning, however dark it is, however, however deep that hole is that you feel like you're, you're at the very bottom looking up, and sometimes when you're looking up, you can't see the light, but I can guarantee you there's light. And think about how cool it's going to be when you continue to, to follow God, to allow Him to transform your life into something radically different, and then you get to help somebody the next time. And it may be a month, it may be 10 years down the road, but I can guarantee you God will bring people into your life that have struggled with the same things that you're struggling with. So let's all stand up this morning as we close. I want you to be encouraged leaving here this morning. And you know, we could end on a, on a, on a really upbeat, powerful, encouraging word. But what I, want, what I want you to really be thinking about is I want you to be thinking about what that situation is in your life right now. And what are you going to do to turn to God inside of that thing? And one of the first things that we have to do at times is figure out what's lodged in our throats, right? Remember that? Chicken wing. So what is that? What is lodged in your throat right now that's holding you back, that's discouraging you? And you know what you probably need to do with that? You need to bow your head and pray and give that to God. You can do it right where you're at, or you can do it right up here at one of these altars. And if you're new here today and you want us to pray with you and come alongside you, come over here to your right-hand side. If you want to pray on your own and just be with you and God, then come over here on your left-hand side. And I'm not, I'm not sure why this man is standing up here, but I can, I, I can assure you that he's and not playing for sure here, but um, he's got something that God's put on his heart to share. So. Share, brother. Well, Josh said that he didn't want to live the and on encouraging words I do <laughs> you see for me most of you know that I have been battling cancer I do have stage 4 cancer and this last week I did go to the doctor and Dr. Shakir the first doctor that I seen he said basically nothing had changed everything had stayed the same which is good because that means it's not spreading and then the next doctor that I seen when I went to Indy he came up and then his eye just popped out of my face he goes what what are you doing he, he thought I looked great, and I do look great, and I feel great. And that's part of that is because of God. And then the last doctor that I seen, he came in, and he told me, basically the same thing, everything, except for one thing. The spots in my lungs are shrinking. So that's God. That's encouraging. And that's the power of everything, of the power of prayer from all of you and everybody who's praying for me. So thank you. Continue the prayers. And I love every one of you.